My name is Phoebe Dubar, also known as IKSRE. I'm a vocalist, viola player, music producer, certified practicing sound healer, and card-carrying audiophile who experiences the world through her ears. And over the coming weeks, we're going to dive deep into the topic closest to my heart. Sound. What is it? Why does it make us feel the way that it does? We'll speak to experts, and I'll even treat you to a few sound healing practices along the way. Welcome to What is Sound, recorded on the stolen lands of the Bunurong and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation. Always was, always will be. Our spirituality is oneness and an interconnectedness with all that lives and breathes, even with all that does not live or breathe. Madururu. So today's guest is a Gunditjmara Kire Wurrung Bunjalong man residing on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria, Australia. He has a passion for expanding and sharing his vast knowledge of cultural practices, stories, production of artifacts and traditional tools, bush foods, medicines, healing, building practices, artworks, music, dance, traditional ceremonies and contemporary engagement programs. He embraces the opportunity to share his extensive knowledge of the land and Indigenous cultures and traditions with the wider public through guided walks on country, Yidiki healing, meditations, smoking ceremonies, talks and educational programs. He is also a well-known artist visually depicting his culture and lore through paintings, murals, carvings and sculpture. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Good afternoon, everybody. My name's Lionel. I'm a Gundij Mara Kreerong Bunjalong man. Welcome, Lionel. Thank you so much for for stopping by and for being part of um, of the podcast. It's an absolute honour to have you here in my in my home studio. Uh, we met ages ago uh, at the Peninsula Hot Springs in the midst of lockdowns, and um, it's been. Yeah, something in the back of my head for a long time, yeah. wanting to get you involved in doing something. So it's an absolute honour uh, to have you here. Excellent. They're crazy times back then, weren't they? I know, yeah. I know. But thankfully, thankfully things are kind of a little bit a little bit more normal now. Well, that's why it's important what we're doing today, especially for all the people we're coming out of that. Exactly, yeah. 100%. So before we go deep, which I'm sure we will, which I'm very excited mm-hmm. about, I just want to ask you a question that I'm going to ask every single person that I speak to. Which is, what is sound? Sound. Um, sound is um, vibration. It's everything. Um, everything is sound. The earth sound, our mother makes sound, the trees, the fauna, the flora, everything's sound. It's music, it's um, soothing, it's healing, it's peaceful, it's um, It's just, I don't know, it's, it's everything, it's it's, you know, it guides us, it calms us, helps us to sleep, relax, gets us motivated. It sounds everything. Mm. It's everything. That's that's absolutely beautiful, and I completely, completely agree with you on that. Mm. It is everything, absolutely everything. So before we go any further, I would love for you to explain um, to our listeners what, um, what country is. Um, I think a lot of people would hear that and think, it's land, yeah. but that's not right, is it? And oh no, no! no can you can no. you give a bit of a, an overview of what country means yeah, to so you? Country is was everything. Country is generally our mother. So we have our two mothers: Mother Nature, Mother Earth. Um, the plants, the animals, 
it's it's all country. It all makes up even the, the geology. It's country. Now geology changes, so we have different countries. So the country I'm from, yeah, like Warrnambool and that, um, very powerful. The soils, the rocks down there, all the, all the geological stuff that happened there, the volcanic activity that happened there thousands of years, brought up all this amazing stuff for us. So the beautiful um, geology, we use a lot of that. Um, country is Mother Nature. It's the plants that come from that area, all the fauna, the flora, um, just the knowledge of the land and, and the connection, the cellular memory, which we have been there for so long. There's so much cellular, cellular memory embedded into that land from us and from the past fauna and flora. And on that as well too, if there are people listening who are not from the country that we're currently in, um, you said so long. So how long exactly are we talking? I think I've got a bit of an idea, but a lot of people might not. How long have your people been on country for? Well, they say between 60 and um, probably about 80,000 years, I think it's up to now. Wow. But um, we know it's been a lot longer. Yeah. We're looking at a site of my grandma's country, which um, they, today they call the Hopkins River. That's my sacred yeah. river over there. So wow. the mouth of the Hopkins River is called Moyle. And it's an archaeologist who's been there for probably about 12 years now. He's looking at a site there with a lot of controversy from all over the world. That site is looking at dating from 90 to 120,000 plus years. Now, that could be the oldest site in all of Australia. Not northern Australia, it's here in my grandma's country. Amazing. So we know we didn't. Uh, we, we've been here a lot longer than people think. That's oh. the thing, isn't it? And, yeah. and I was actually just at Moyle um, back okay. in January. Yep. Um, I did a, a gig down in Warrnambool, and um, and we went there to the yep. to that area, and oh, wow. yep. weren't able to do a walk or anything like that. But we yep. just went to the the area, and it's it's just magic. Oh, the, the energy really. must be incredible. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. It's really special. And I guess that must be really frustrating, I guess, you guys knowing yes. that this has been yeah. there for so long because yeah. I looked into those stories and, yeah. and read about how these, this archaeologist has been just saying, and he's a very credible yeah. archaeologist. Oh, definitely. Incredibly. Yeah. This is not just some hack yeah, who's exactly. just, you know. Otherwise they would have buried it by now. Exactly. And he's he's really convinced that this these yeah. um, these shell middens are yeah. uh, hundreds yeah. of thousands of years ago. And, and he, yeah. his, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, his, theory, or his, his understanding is that if this is the case, this is the oldest relics in the world. In the so world. they're actually yes. even suggesting yeah. that, that life yeah. actually came from from here and not necessarily the migration from Africa. Well, that's not the, they said 70,000 years ago we came out of Africa. That's not true. We, that's blown out of the window. We believe that we've, we arrived from there's different humanoids around the world you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago. We came mm-hmm. from the Genovison you know, throughout, throughout Australia, Asia and Russia. So we don't believe that we ever came out of Africa. Mm. Yeah, they were our brothers and sisters that come from another mob, you know. Yeah. This is a thing, and and the fact that you guys have this continual story and and yeah. this this oral tradition. Yep. And the the stories mm. have been passed down from generation to generation, from yes. person to person. Yeah, well, I did a gig up in Melbourne oh, probably about six years ago. They got me going up to the MCG. They had scientists from all over the world. So we had a big um, meeting up there, all Indigenous coastal people. And um, one of the scientists I was talking to was from America. He's, he specialised in the Chinese whisper. And he, he studied um, the land and sea, the, the, the ice ages, all that sort of stuff. 
And he was saying that he's been all over the world travelling around, studying everybody's stories around the world. And generally, with the rest of the world, the stories start to change around the same about 800 years or something. He was saying, a thousand years, a lot of stories change. Wow. He's come to Australia and studied our stories. Even over 10,000 years, our stories haven't changed one bit. Wow. And he's proved that through geology and through all the, the Ice Age you know, and the, the rise and fall of the, um, the land. Our, the story we told 100,000 years ago is still the same story today. That is... Yeah, and he, he couldn't believe that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is absolutely incredible. Um, so you guys are literally the world's greatest storytellers. Yeah, we've been unchanging our stories. No. Yeah. That's yeah. absolutely incredible. Um, so in terms of country, how how does sound, in, in, in your perspective, how, how does sound play a role as part of country? Um, well, sound can play part of country. So, so I'm a coastal man. Both my gra- my grandfather's a Bunjalung, so Byron Bay, Mullumbimby, that's on my country. And we're coastal and river people there. And also on Gundidge land, which is Warrnambool, Port Ferry, Great Ocean Road, that's um, coastal as well as river. So I'm very lucky to be a river country man, a river mm-hmm. coastal man. So the sounds of the ocean, so powerful. Just the sound alone is, is medicine. But we can, you know, even if we're travelling around, you know, you get lost, you can hear the sound of the ocean, you know which direction to go into. The morning, when you wake up in the morning, the birds, that's, that's a part of it. The birds wake you up with a song every yeah. single morning. So that's their gift to us, you know, Aww. just to wake us up with that beautiful shine, um, the sound of the trees, the leaves. A friend of mine, um, Heidi Jewell, who works for um, Living Cultures, she's a co-founder with me, um, business partner. A friend of hers actually went and sat at Main Ridge up at Arthur's Seat, which is Wonga. She sat there for a year, for 12 months, every day of the year, hail, rain or shine, now she, and listened, closed her eyes and listened. Wow. Now she can describe every single tree and plant by sound. Wow. That's pretty powerful, you know. I like, wish I had the patience to do that. Now, yeah. I've got good patience, but after 12 months, you know, it's a long time, but she's amazing what she's done, that connection. And that's the, that, that, that what she's done there is what we always did, you know, with connection, especially in our culture. We only work three to four days a week. So we have plenty of time to sit by ourselves, to meditate, um, to be at one with nature. So we, we're big listeners. Yeah, we've been given two ears and one mouth, so we're supposed to listen more, twice as much as we talk. In my culture, listening is a big thing. Mm, two ears and one mouth, that's so mm. true. Yeah. That is mm. such a powerful observation that I've never even considered. Mm. That is absolutely incredible. So you talked about the um, the ocean being medicine as well as yes. wayfinding as well too. Mm, yeah. So talk about, yeah, how how do you see it as being medicine? The, the sound of the ocean, because I'm on the, the beach all the time, just the sound of the, the rolling waves or even the big crashing waves. Like you go down there when it's a bit calmer, it's just nice and rolling, it's just splashing on the rocks, just that gentle splash. It's very soothing and calming. It depends on what sort of mood you're in. You know, like when I'm stressed or something, I'm feeling a bit down, I go sit at the beach, I go sit on the edge of the cliffs. And when the ocean's big and rough and raw, it's like a cleansing. It's sort of like it's there to beat or to take that negative energy out of you, that sound, that big, strong waves that's pushing all that energy towards me and it pushes that energy out of my body, helps me release my negative energies. So wow. powerful. Yeah. yeah, and how about rivers as well? You were talking uh, about being a river man, river, yeah. Definitely rivers. Rivers are so soothing. I mean, we... I actually have a story um, about the river of life. And actually, I said I spoke this to me, um, Uncle Archie's gig the other day, the first time I've ever spoken about it to anybody wow. and um, sort of thing. So I, I looked at rivers a lot when I was younger because I loved rivers. So the rivers are exactly the same as a human's life. You know, we start off as a tiny a little little person, same as a river, starts off a tiny little trickle coming down from those mountains and it gathers up more water and it gets older and older. Every now and then the river might come along 
it gets bigger and bigger. It comes along like, like a rapids or rocks and there's a little bit of a rough stage in our lives. Mm. Then it comes to smooth water. And every now and then we come across might hit a waterfall. That waterfall might be a death in the family or something major that's happening in your life. But at the end of, end of every waterfall, there's always calm water. And so we travel along that calm water. You might come to a fork in the river. You go left, you go right. It could be positive, it could be negative. You choose that path. So if you go to the negative path, path without knowing, you choose that path, you go down that path. When you come to another crossing, another fork in the river, you choose more wisely. So you learn from your mistakes. So you go left or right. And then we all come out to the ocean. We evaporate. We go up to the sky. We get all energised by our grandfather's son. And then we all head back to the mountains to a different place and we start our life over again. So our lives are very similar to rivers. That is incredible. I feel like pressing stop right now because I'm like, how can this conversation possibly get better than that? That is just such a beautiful metaphor and it's yeah. so, so true. Just yeah. that that understanding yeah. that you'll always come out at that same yeah. point. It's always calm waters. Yeah. There always is calm waters, isn't there? And just understanding that when you are going through those rough patches that there will yeah. be calm waters eventually. Yeah. Yes. Sooner or later you'll reach that spot. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And there was another beautiful um, dreaming story that we talked about before we hit record, which was um, around the she-oak. Yeah, so in my grandma's country, the Gundij Mara, we have a dream time story about the she-oak, a very significant tree right throughout Australia, I'm finding out. So tens of thousands of years ago, Bunjilanwa were down on the earth creating everything that we see today, the hills, the valleys, the rivers, the lakes, the ocean, making it habitable for all the bunchal's creations to survive here on the earth. So when they finished doing their work down here, before they flew up to the dream time, they had to leave guardian spirits behind on earth to watch over us. And what they left behind is the she-oak. And it says that when the wind blows through the she-oak, you can hear the guardian spirits whispering to you or talking to you, watching over you, now you're going to be safe. Now, I found that very similar story throughout Australia, even here on Bunurong country, they have a story about the she-oak. It's their favourite tree to sleep under. So when they sleep mm. underneath the tree of a night time, the wind blows through the trees, they can hear their ancestors talking to them, watching over them of a night time. And I've actually traced that story, very similar story, right up to northern Queensland. And I was speaking to a desert man the other day, and um, he was saying these almost identical story. Wow. So it's becoming, a, you know, I'm finding out more about the she-oak. It's a very powerful tree. It's a guardian spirit tree, and it's respected by all. Absolutely. That's yeah. so beautiful. I personally... Absolutely adore the sound of the she oak. It's um, mm. it's one of those um, they there's she oak trees all along the Bay Trail just yeah. near where I live, and and I just remember during lockdown, um, every day I'd go for a walk down along that path, even just for just mm. quick ten minute walk, yeah. just enough. And as long as if I could hear the she oak, it would just yeah. soothe me like nothing else. Yeah, it's a very powerful tree. It's a tall tree. It's a food source. Food source. Yes. So what, um, what comes from the she oak? She oak. So the, the, the leaves on the she oak, mm -hmm. it's one of our mouth fresheners. So, so these are the long, the long spindly yeah, yeah. leaves. For those yeah. of you that um, have not <laughs> familiar, it's like the, the beautiful, long, spindly. The drooping she oak. So not yeah. the black she oak, the drooping she oak. Yeah. So the leaves, you grab a leaf off it. If it's a male, flower, a male tree, you take the flower off because we have male and female. Mm -hmm. and, um, Is that when they get those little, little um, yellow flowers you see yes. them now coming on? Yeah, yeah. And the female produces a little red flower. Ah. So you pull the leaf off, you take the flower off, and you put the leaf in your mouth. 
You chew and chew it up. It'll yep. produce a lot of saliva in your mouth, uh-huh. and it'll give you a beautiful citrus flavour or a sour apple flavour. I also use uh-huh. it in cooking with my cook when I cook my fish with Melaleuca bark. I smother it in mashiach leaves and gives that beautiful citrus flavour. Oh my god! So this has turned um, into a cooking show as well. Yeah, I've been talking about cooking all day. I yeah. know. Um, I hope we hope we get back onto that. Mm. And yeah, the, no, the shiach is um, such a beautiful. And is that the traditional name, the shiach? No. What is no. the traditional name? I want uh, to know. I, um, I've learnt. Uh, I've actually I've got written down the Bunurong name for it, and I've also got the Gunnish name written down at home, but I can't remember. That's Linguistics is something I never, ever thought I would get back or get, you know, I spent my whole life mm-hmm. learning about geology, archaeology, um, the bush tuckers, bush medicinal plants, survival, all, all traditional culture, but um, I never thought we'd get language back. But amazing mm-hmm. people like Annie Caroline Briggs, she did linguistics for seven years. She's now a professor in that. Yeah. So people like her and also over in Gunnish Maraland um, country, I remember... About six years ago, Uncle Archie, Uncle Archie Roach, he's my uncle, it, we did a gig up in Melbourne and he was on a stage with a young fellow who's been studying our language, Gunditjmara language, for quite a while. He yeah. saved a lot of our language. Him and Uncle Archie got up on stage and sung in language. Wow. The first time we heard that, that was just so powerful. How incredible. Yeah, so, was. again, language being, I mean, language is sound. It's, it's exactly, and it's coming back. And when they say, they talk about our language when we talk, it's the sound of the earth talking. Mm. Yeah. And... On that, actually, that's something that I wanted to actually dive into um, without even realising it. This was not on our questions that yeah. I sent you, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, can you can you talk a bit more about that? The Earth talking. I, it's something yeah. that I've instinctively started to understand, but I would like to actually understand yeah. more about. So well, the Earth talks in many ways. Uh, you know, from grumbling, growls. Um, yeah, it releases stuff. It warns us of things, you know, pending or things that are about to come. So generally, it'll let us know before something big's going to happen. It'll let us know by saying something. So a rumble or growl, like a little tremor on earthquake. Mm-hmm. That's her talking, saying, "Look, you know, something big could be coming." Like we have a lot of Dreamtime stories about the volcanoes over in our Dreamtime and our grandmother's country. Yeah. So a lot of our creation stories um, are about the volcanoes. There's and a lot uh, of volcanoes over that side. There's of a the... lot of there's a couple over to the east, and we had a lot over to the west. We had mm-hmm. heaps of volcanoes over there, and we have all these creation story or dream time stories about those um, eruptions and stuff. So all that stuff that you know, when all that happened, Mother Nature, well, Mother Earth, um, warned us and let us know what was going on. We had to get move move out of that area. So mm-hmm. the Mother Earth does talk to you in many ways. You know, like a rumble, it might be a growl or just things like that. Yeah, yeah. and. And we were talking before we hit record um, about those that disconnection between um, the, the the natural world now that yes. we have living in this built built environment. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. can you talk well, to yeah, that? So a bit? disconnected. Well, we've been disconnected for a long time. Like today, you know, we wear shoes. Hmm. You now, wearing shoes is so bad for us. On, unfortunately, on my walks, because my insurance, I have to wear shoes. I'm not allowed to wear bare feet in my, on my walks and stuff, which is annoying, but um, otherwise I'm in bare feet all the time because it's connection with the earth. The rubber and stuff on our shows, shoes, our leather, it stops that energy. When, when we walk on bare feet on the earth, we're actually charging our bodies up with, with all this positive energy that comes. Mother Earth is releasing positive energy all the time. Yeah. And we, 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 we take that in through our feet. If you're wearing shoes, you can't. Now, disconnect people today, um, I do all my walks, I take people out bush, I teach you about bush tuckers, about medicine, just seeing through an Indigenous perspective that everything has purpose, everything carries spirit. And people like, um, I talk about how you should be connecting to the plants and stuff, grow these plants at home, and you're connected because we're disconnected. Everybody talks about nature's out there. 
Yeah. Well, we've just forgotten that we're a part of the out there. Exactly. And if we looked at the fauna and flora as our brothers and sisters, we all have one mother as the earth. She gets sick, we all get sick. Mm. So it's about connection, trying to try to grow some plants at home. Because we go to supermarkets today and uh, they're all in aisles and everything's wrapped in plastic and stuff and you've got to walk down and you've got to find your food. I'm no good at that sort of stuff. But um, <laughs> it's not connecting. We get to grabbing stuff out of plastic or bags off shelf. If you grab something out of the garden, that's connecting. Mm. I had a man once say, oh, I live in Hawthorne, I can't do it. <clears throat> I said, have you got a windowsill? I said, you can put a little tiny pot with a herb in there. That's still a connection. Yeah. And you're, you're acknowledging that when you do it. So that's feed. But it's good to get out in the bush and pick some leaves or have a harvest, you know. We've just forgotten. The, the plants that grow here in Australia have been growing here for millions of years. Mm. We've evolved with the plants. Everybody thinks, oh, it talks about thousands of years or hundreds of thousands of years. No, millions of years we've been evolving with plants as brothers and sisters. They produce medicines for us. They produce food for us because they're our friends. We produce food for them when we die. We feed the plants with our bodies. Yeah. And the animals live off the plants. Everybody's just forgotten that. We're trying to put ourselves above nature. Yeah. Like the rest of the world try to tame nature. They try to they domesticated the animals. They domesticated the plants. Mm. You're not supposed to do that because that takes all the goodness out of the plants. It stresses the plants out. You know, like corn and wheat and all these plants, they're not good for you no. because of what, what's been done to them by man. You know, we only started getting sick, or the, we didn't, but the rest of the world started getting sick when they started bringing animals in, domesticating animals and domesticating plants. That's where sickness comes from. Traditionally, we are not supposed to get sick ever mm. because our, our, our bodies, you know, we, we've been involving and plants and us are supposed to be friends. Like um, I went and saw this amazing white witch in um, Balanaring and she gave me some medicine for my spinal um, pain. One of the plants that she's given me um, for my spinal pain is the plant looks exactly like a human spine. It grows wow. like a human spine. It's incredible. Wow. I had this lady come from um, from England. She goes all over the world studying bush medicines, all over the world. And um, she came down here. I took her on a walk down to Bush Rangers Bay. And I was walking along. And I picked up one of the, the plants, the medicinal plants, cutleaf geranium, the crane's bill. I said, here, this is one of our medicinal plants. She goes, oh, medicine for your stomach. I said, how do you know that? Hmm. She goes, oh, so if you turn the label, see the back of the leaf, it's got all those veins and that in it. That represents your digestive system, so this must be medicine for your stomach. I said, yeah, it is. Wow. We just take the root system of that, we boil it into a cup of tea, and we drink that medicine tea, and that is for pains in your stomach. She knew that just by looking at the leaf. Wow. She says, we have leaves that are the shape of our kidney. That's medicine for your kidney. We have plants that look like your brain. That's medicine for your brain. People have forgotten how close we are, how used to be yeah, with plants. Absolutely. And we, 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 there's a word last year, I remember, someone told me a word last year about, there's a word for the way people look at plants as objects. Mm. Plants are not objects, they're living creatures. Like Lamandra, you heard of Lamandra, Longifolia, spiky headed mat rush? No. You would have, if it grows all around here, mm. that's the plant that taught me respect for plants. Mm. So when I was a young fellow and I first started doing bushwalks, I'd have 70 kids on my walk, plus all the teachers, plus the parents that came along as well. And I've got to feed everybody bush tucker. Well, with the Lamandra, it's a grass, a long, thin grass. If you pull it the wrong way, it'll cut you like a razor blade. Oh, yeah, I know exactly yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I pull that out to harvest because it's snow pea. It tastes exactly like a snow pea. And really? I've got to feed everybody. I'm running around like crazy. One day I cut my hands super bad, razor blade cut. I got home that night. I was talking to one of my aunties. And she goes, Lionel, you have to learn to respect plants. I said, I do, honey. You taught me that when I was a young fella, to respect mm-hmm. plants. She goes, no, respect them properly. If you come up to the Lamandra, put your hand down the bottom, you grab a big clump. You give it a little wriggle and you give it a little pull. If it comes the first time, that's the plant giving it to you. Wow. If it doesn't come the first time, it's the plant telling you to move on. You disrespect that plant and you try to force it out, you will get cut. Wow. Now, all plants live in family groups. All plants have mums and dads. All plants have uncles and aunties. All plants have brothers and sisters. So if one doesn't give it to us, we go to one of his family members and we try them and hopefully they give it to us straight away if it's meant to be. 
It's about respect. You know, everything yeah. we do is sustainable and respect because everything contains spirit. Absolutely. And I'm actually on that. I'm reading. Um, have you read the book Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin uh, Wall no, Kimmerer? I think Heidi might have read that. I'm in the process mm. of reading it now. Um, <clears throat> it's incredible. So it's um, yeah. Native American traditions. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I just literally read a paragraph along those lines about mm. um, respecting respecting plants, but also yeah. <clears throat> that that idea that. Um, plants or animals, animals that you you kill yourself, um, they're giving their life to you. They're, they're choosing yeah, yeah. as opposed to you're going to the supermarket and you're buying this cling-wrapped yeah. steak that's been, you know, an, an animal yeah. that's been killed in a horrible yeah. way in an abattoir or something, yeah, as opposed yeah. to you're yeah. actually going out, you're catching a fish, that fish is, is yep. sacrificing itself for yes. you and for your family. Yep. Or, you know, as you said with the with the grass, you're, yeah. it, it's allowing you to, to it, pull yeah, it out. Exactly. So this is the thing, it's this respect for... It is. Nature. Yeah, it was a lot when we went hunting. If we hunt and we have to kill an animal, mm. we show our appreciation. We make sure the animal doesn't suffer pain, so we make sure it dies straight away because yeah. it's disrespectful when an animal suffer pain. Yeah. And then we show our appreciation. Traditionally, we don't have words for please and thank yous because you're supposed to give and you're supposed to receive. Yeah. But um, we show appreciation to the animal for giving me its fur, its bones, its meat, whatever part of the animal I use, I, sh- I show appreciation for because we know when I die, I go back to the earth, I feed the plants and I feed the pl- animals. We're all a part of this cycle. Mm. And on that, please and thank you, the mm. braiding sweetgrass. She said the same thing. Native okay. American. There's no. Yep. There's no word for thank you because it's oh, the same. Yep. I think same yeah. with please as well. It's that that under, as you yeah. said that understanding. So it's interesting that these these indigenous um, ideals, are, uh, even yeah. though despite the huge separation between Australia and yep. America, yeah, exactly. um, it's the same idea that yeah. respect. Yeah. Definitely. Well, the spirits are everywhere and all the same. You know, no matter what plant, what country, the cultures, have, they've all evolved with these plants. So, that, you know, they keep that respect because they've been born with that respect for 100,000 years, a million years. So it's only the yeah. modern day that we learn learn disrespect for plants. That's we're distancing ourselves from Mother Nature, thinking we're big and more mighty, you know, and we can survive without her. That's it, yeah, but we yeah. can't. That's no, the thing. we can't. We just can't. That's, all why it takes- all, that's why we're all angry today and we're all sick, we're all tired. That's exactly why. Because we're not spending time to get out there and meditate or just sit with, sit and sit still in nature and just listen. Listen, yeah. yeah. Back to sound, yeah. That's yeah. that's amazing. Wow. I'm so glad we went off into the into the uh, plant talk because, as you can probably see by the fact that my house is full of plants and yes. I've got heaps yep. of trees mm. in the garden and stuff. I'm and a veggie patch. I'm that that is my happy place as yep. well too. Definitely. Yeah. And it is just that respect and that that understanding. I know that when we moved into this house, it had mostly it was an old Italian couple that used to live here and so mm. all the trees pretty much were European. Yeah, yeah. So we've slowly been pulling them out and replacing them with native. Yeah. And I remember one of our neighbours came up to us and said, how are you getting those the new trees that you planted? How did you get them to grow so quickly? And I went, because they belong here. Yeah. She and, said, what fertiliser are you using? I went, none. No. They literally, we went to the Bayside no. Nursery that yeah. only sells things that belong on this country. Yeah. We planted yeah. them, we watered them a little bit, and then yeah. they just took off because well, this is where they belong. Exactly. Well, that's my mission in life is to teach the Australian government. I do work with the CSIRO and all these other places and the mm. universities and that. Our plants that we have in Australia are some of the healthiest plants on earth. Wow. You know, look, the southern Victoria is second only to the Daintree rainforest. It's amazing what our meats are some of the healthiest meats on earth, mm. and our bread is the healthiest bread in the world. When, we should be growing our plants because when we grow our plants, we do not need any fertiliser, we do not need any pesticides, mm. and most of our plants can survive off a, water, a handful of waterings a year. 
Better for the environment, better for us. Our breads are better for you. We have dozens of varieties of breads. We are the oldest bread makers in the world. Mm. When I was a kid, I was taught that um, Egypt, Egyptians were 15,000 years ago, but we know now Aboriginals have been making bread for over 35,000 years. Okay. Now, so our breads are super breads. They're amazing what we have. That when we should be eating our breads, we should be growing them. So the farmers for the last 200 years have been bringing all these other plants in from overseas mm. and they've been putting them into our soils and now they've killed our soil mm. so they cannot grow their crops without tonnes of fertiliser, tonnes of pesticides and all this sort of stuff. With our plants, we didn't need any of that. So when we plan anything, it's seven generations. Mm. The, way, the way people live today is selfish. You know, it's about me getting all my money for my house and my children. Mm. Well, what about your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your mm. great-grandchildren? It's like that beautiful saying, I plant a tree, not for me or for my kids. I plant that tree for my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. So they mm. benefit from the shade and the fruits. Yeah. So today, everyone, it's just about me and my kids. It's, we've lost our future. We're not thinking of planning enough for our future. So it's no. about respect for the land and growing the right plants that should be growing here. Number one, they're better for you because our, our starches, like our mernong, eight times more nutritional value than a potato. Wow. So why aren't we eating our starches? We have dozens of varieties of starches which are really good for you. The starches we're eating today mm. are not good for you. No. And they've been man-made. Thing. They've been manipulated by man. So, so much, mm. so much in that. Absolutely so much in that. We've talked about food as medicine. Um, we've talked a little bit of um, um, sound, sound as medicine. But I guess, given that we both, you know, work in this field um, and clearly agree that sound is incredibly powerful for healing, how do you, how do you actually see the role of sound as medicine? You know, from an indigenous so, perspective. Um, on my walks, what I do, so I take people through country, show you through an indigenous perspective. You get to eat the bush tuckers, the medicines, and then every walk I do with the young ones or to the older people, um, I do meditation and I do that. Um, I teach about the stress, depression, anxiety. I go right into detail about how we carry stuff around with us. It makes us sick. I teach people to learn to put stuff down. And then I do a meditation with my yidiki. So I get a bit like, have you been to Bush Rangers Bay? I have, yeah. Yeah, that's like, Bush Rangers Bay is my Chanston. Mm. So I go there right now and live there very easily. got the freshwater country, saltwater country. It's got all that grass country. It's got a hinterlands. It's got everything I could ever ever need. Mm. So we sit down there. I use my Yudiki um, device. We didn't use these in Victoria, but um, I use it solely for meditation and also for vibrational healing. Mm -hmm. I am very good friends. The last three years I've been working with the Yongul, who are the traditional custodians, Westwind, of of the Yadaki. So I've been blessed by them, by them, beautiful people, beautiful elders. So I use that, um, the sound, because scientists have actually, as scientists do, they've got to study everything. Mm. They've actually studied the Yidiki and they say that the sound of that, or they've proven that the sound of that will lower your blood pressure, anxiety and stress, just listening to it. Mm. But um, when you get it, the vibration comes out of it, when you get it on your body, like my particular one I bought in today is TDNF, so it's for your heart energy, your heart chakra. But this will clear all your body. The vibrations that I, when I use it, I apply it, it goes through every cell in your body. It goes through your bone. Mm. It doesn't go around it. It goes through everything. So anything in there shouldn't be there. Anything negative, the positive sound will get rid of it. Amazing. So I, 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 I use that there. I give everybody a little demonstration. Mm. Otherwise, people will book me for an hour. We take you out bush. We do meditation. I talk to you about depression, anxiety, stress, what you might be carrying and how you to deal with it. Yeah. And, then, um, and then I sit you down and I stop and start. And I play this over your body, on your chest, on your back, your head, all those different parts of your body, and it blows through there. Really, really powerful. The feedback I've been given is I've been getting is has been incredible. Yeah. It's almost I've had people like um like I've been doing a lot of healings now for quite a few years, and um 
I've had so many people come up to me and said that their past ones have come to them during a, during a healing. Wow. I've had so many people cry. My husband came to me. My daughter came to me. I had a man from New Zealand. He said his dog came to him. His little staffy that just passed away came to him. He was in tears. Mm. I've had so many people say that the spirits, and when I'm doing it too, multiple times, it's not just one. These are people from all over Australia and New Zealand mm. that are saying the same thing. There was a group of elders there watching you when you do it. An old, it's always an old man with a beard and three ladies, three old ladies are always watching over me. And um, I don't see it, but um, these are people from all over Australia telling me the exact same thing yeah. you know, about their past ones coming to them, these particular Indigenous elders who've been watching over me for a while. So it's pretty, it's pretty powerful. They say it opens up portholes to let the loved one through, the vibration. Yeah, that is incredible. So on on your walks, and we'll come back to the Itaki as well too, but um, on your walks, so are you pointing out the sounds of country as well oh, too? Definitely, and the yeah, birds definitely. And we the, talk about yeah. that, the sounds. If the birds make a super particular noise, we know something's going on. Like yeah. If the birds are going crazy in the sky, say, so right, there's an eagle or a bird of prey around. How do you know? Then we'll look up, there will be a bird of prey, I'll go past. I know that before that because the sounds the birds make, you know. The wind on the trees, you know, it tells us a lot which way the wind's coming from, mm. things like that. Um, uh, warning calls from birds. Um, what else? I don't know. That's probably it. Uh, and actually on birds as well too, back to sort of language as well too. Again, this wasn't on the questions, but hopefully yeah. it's quite simple for you. Um, I love that of the Indigenous names, so like Gugubara and, you know, mm, yeah. so it was Wak, Wak? Wah. Wah. For the, for the yeah. raven? Yeah, raven the or ra- crow? No, no, we only have crows in Victoria, ravens. Okay. Yeah. Um, of course, my husband would know that, Ben, <laughs> bird, the bird expert. Um, so a lot of them are named after the call, is yes, that right? Yes, the sound they make, yeah. yeah rather than yeah, these or, stupid or, or, European, yeah, A you lot know, of things are made yeah, from the sound that the, the animal makes. Australopithecus, you know, yeah, silly I know. scientific names. I, I started doing Latin because yeah. I had Oakley TAFE, but um, I remember a lot of Latin, but I don't talk Latin at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm just a common name, I just say common name or you know whatever the way it's supposed to be said yeah yeah but i just love that that the mm. the names are actually taken from the sound and i suppose mm. a lot of the european names are taken from the the the, the look of it yes the yeah. yellow breasted something yeah, exactly, or the, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Um, which yeah, i really love so it's just pointing out again that that the sound is more important than the yeah than the, yeah. the visual there was a great i loved your Comment before about the the uh, two eyes or the um, one mouth and two ears. Um, and there's also a great um, podcast that I listened to last year um, where he talked about um, uh, the fact that we don't we've got eyelids but we don't have mm. ear lids. We can't yeah. close our ears. No, yeah. But you know, the Western society is so focused on the visual and what we see, whereas our hearing yes. is so much more important. Because if it gets overwhelming, we close our eyes. Yeah. But we can't actually switch off our hearing unless no. you shove something in your ears. Yeah, exactly, a hundred percent. So with meditation, you know, I tell people to to try to meditate at least once a week at the minimum, you know, mm. even for only for an hour. If you're there for an hour, sit there half an hour, eyes open. Mm. Excuse me. So. I, Eyes open. Look at the clouds. Look at the look at the um, trees. Look at the bark on the trees. When I tell people look at grass, people see green. Look at the grass properly. Look into the grass. I teach people to use their senses. You know, so you look at all this stuff. You take it all in. But when you close your eyes for half an hour, your hearing and your smell gets heightened. You'll smell mm. things that you didn't smell before, and you'll you'll hear things that you didn't hear before. Our eyes take away a lot. From from sound, because mm. yeah, when you close your eyes, you'll think, "Oh, I didn't hear that before." But when your eyes, because eyes do, eyes are busy. 
always picking up on things. But it's good to use your eyes to see that stuff. You know, the clouds can tell you a lot about the weather and all this sort of stuff. I have a story about an ant that was told me about by an elder when I was younger. So, and um, beautiful story she told me about this about the ants and about observing nature and taking you know, taking notice of what's going on around you. I was up at Wonga, up a seat with my son Jarrah. It was a Sunday afternoon. Beautiful grandfather's son was sitting down over the Nerm, the bay. Beautiful sunset. And um, an ant walked past me carrying a white pebble. I said to my son Jarrah, tell me what this ant's telling us. I don't know, Dad, carrying a white pebble. So that ant's telling me in two to three days' time, grandfather's son's going to come beating down the earth and it's going to be super hot. How do you know that? So the ant's going to put the white pebble around the hole and when grandfather's son comes down, he's going to hit those white pebbles and reflect the heat away from the hole. Mm. I said to him, if the ant was carrying a black pebble, what does that mean? It means the cold weather's coming. Mm. If the ants build their nest up really high, it means the big rain's coming. Not little rain, big rain's coming. We can learn a lot by sitting still in nature and just by observing and listening. Absolutely. The man on telly gets it wrong all the time with the weather. Mother Nature never gets it wrong. No, definitely not. That's, wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's that's absolutely beautiful. Um, so this is something that I've been told um, that that um, the yidiki is regarded as the sound of creation, um, perhaps as the yogis um, would say, uh, the sound of Aum. Yeah. Um, could you elaborate on this? Um, so sound of nature with the Yongul, the people I've been working with, which are mm-hmm. traditional custodians. And where exactly? So that's you know, Yofu Indi, or that's the Northern Territory, Northern up Territory, right up there. That's yep. all that mob. Um, they're the traditional custodians. They made and invented the, the, the hierarchy. Yep. Other tribes had different names, mm-hmm. like um, you know the word didgeridoo. You know where yeah. they came from? Where? Or was one of the tribes? Right. So there's this um, European fella up there a long time ago. He was hanging with the tribes up there. One of them was playing the, the yidaki. And he makes a sound through it that goes, did we do, did we do, did we do? He heard that sound and went and told the whole world it's called a didgeridoo. <laughs> oh. So that's why we got stuck with didgeridoo. Wow. Yeah, but generally um, the Yongle people call it West Wind. Yeah, so the wind blows through and it gets, oh, it's, it's, it's a messenger, you know, it's sound, healing, it all spreads, gets carried. That is mm. beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. Um, so, and before, you know, I'm very, very honoured that you've mm. got your beautiful instrument in here with us and we're going to do a short uh, meditation. But I guess for anyone who has not ever heard it before, I'm sure everybody's heard it, I mean, at least a little bit, but, you know, um, can you just walk listeners through the instrument as if they'd never heard it before, like it was an alien from another planet? Um, What is it, you know, how they made, how they played, you know, how are you taught to play it, all of the things, you know, and what can they expect to to hear or experience? So the Yiddiki, proper traditional ones are made from the tree and wood. So generally the termites or the ants, not the termites and black ants, they hollow out the centre of the tree, the most juiciest part of the tree. Mm -hmm. So they go down, they eat the centre of the tree out, and we can go along, you tap on the wood, you know, it's hollow, so you cut that particular tree down, show you, obviously show your respect to the tree before we touch any tree. And then um, we take it home, you clean it all out, burn the centre out, hollow it out. So the Yudiki is, um, when we blow through it, it forms a vibration, it causes a vibration that goes, travels down the, um, the length of the tube and it comes out to this amazing sound. Uh, different shapes, obviously different sounds, different frequencies, you know, A's, F's and C's and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So... That sound comes out. It's like, it's like medicine. When you hear it, it just soothes and calms you down. I don't know why people just cry from the sound of it. But um, it's an amazing instrument. Like um, my particular one that I brought into the studio today, it looks like plastic, but it is not plastic. It's 100% pure hemp. 
The colour on that one is actually a sacred charcoal from Jerusalem and water. There's no glue or nothing involved in my, yeah. the one that I bring in. I do make traditional ones, but these ones I use for healing so you'll see how powerful these things are. Yeah. They have, they've got a lot of spirit, these things. Amazing. Yeah, so... Um, and how we, yeah, how, sorry. No, sorry. So even with the Yidaki, um, traditionally women didn't play it, but the women did help make them. They said that they would go out, collect them, bring them back. They'd make them up, paint them up, but it was for their husbands. Amazing. So they were yeah. part of the process. Part of the, definitely yeah. part of the process. Amazing. Yeah. And that's the thing. So how how were you taught? How were you taught to play it? Like, was this something that you learned as a? I was young... actually never taught to play. I was taught to make them by Ron, Uncle Ron Murray. Mm-hmm. He taught me that when I was about eighteen, nineteen. Taught me about yadakis, and um, he taught me how to, to make them and, and how to how they should be made. But he never ever taught me how to play it. Now I started selling my yadikis all over the world, you know, all around this place. And I thought one day someone's going to come from overseas or Europe or something and ask me to play. So I sat down one day and um, grabbed grabbed my my one home and I taught myself to play within a day. I had to because I didn't want somebody to come up to me and say, oh, um, can you play or not? Yeah, now I can. Yeah, so it took me about a day to teach myself to play it. Yeah. I don't use it for music. I'm no good with music. I've got a lot of musicians in the family. But um, I use it solely for, just for healing and meditation because it's so powerful. It's amazing medicine. Mm. Amazing. Mm. And it's part of um, initiation in a lot of oh, – definitely up yeah. north, yes. Up north, yeah, okay. Definitely, yes. So it's yeah. not part of initiation not, down here. No, it's very no, much yeah. – Yeah, we didn't have it in Victoria or Southern. Like I said, yeah. I only use it for meditation and for healing. But up north, definitely for initiation, for ceremony, big important, very important for ceremony – and men's business, all that sort of stuff as well. And traditionally, would every um, boy or young no. man be taught to play it? No? No, no. You have to be chosen to play it. Wow. Like even in certain tribes, you, you have to be chosen. Not any man can pick up a yiraki or yiriki. Um, they have to be chosen. Okay. Yeah, so there's a lot of things. It's like when you become a medicine man. You can't just become a medicine man. You've got to be chosen. Yeah. yeah. And what around what age does that happen? Um. For the Yiddiki, I actually have no idea. Okay. Initiation is done 13 to 14 roughly, but um, to play that, I actually have no idea. So some point after teenage years. Yeah, definitely, words, yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And then uh, w- the person that's chosen to play Yiddiki or Yidaki, are they also taught to play other instruments? Are there other? Uh, you know? with, with the clap sticks and the boomerang, mm-hmm. everybody generally plays them, can play okay. them. So yeah. generally the women and the, and, and the kids and the men, they generally can play the clap sticks or the boomerangs. Mm-hmm. But use them for music. Yeah. But then the special role within would there yeah. be like what a few only a few people that were actually given that role of actually oh, when it comes to ceremony, yeah, hundred percent because ceremony because um the kids might get it wrong or somebody, yeah. the people during ceremony only particular people play those instruments yeah. because you got to play them properly and then got to get the proper beat and rhythm going you know for the spirits exactly yeah. it's because it is so yeah. powerful it's it so is. incredibly powerful yeah. Um, and so we heard of the bull roarer yeah yes we use the bull roarer all over Australia. And um, we use that. It's a little piece of wood to connect to a bit of rope. We wave around our heads. It makes a low droning sound. Mm. All low droning sounds travel further than a high-pitched sound. Mm. Elephants can communicate 15 miles away from each other by a low droning sound that we can barely hear. So it's amazing. So we use that particular um, thing to, as, as a bush telephone to call in people in yeah. so they can hear the droning sound. Otherwise, we use it to call the spirits up because the spirits are here and they would come along as well. So it's like a bush telephone. Amazing, yeah. a bush telephone. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So the bull roarer. So there are, and obviously you said the the um, boomerangs and the yep. clapping sticks. Yeah, the clapping sticks. Yeah. So and they're they're the long kind of skinny. Well, not long, but the sort of what thirty centimeter or you know what? long 
Oh, the clap sticks? The clap yeah, sticks, oh, yeah. definitely. They could be anything from um, yeah, probably about 30 centimetres. They could be even bigger. All different shapes. Mm-hmm. Some clap sticks have two two notes. Some only have one. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, definitely making them properly is a traditional way of making them. You can't go good. It's hard to get good ones today because they're not making them properly. Yeah. So you've got to use particular wood. Yeah. And then when you take the wood, um, you've got to cook the wood. You don't burn it. You've got to cook it because all wood's full of air and starch. Mm. So when we cook it on the fire, um, it takes all the air and starch out of it, makes the wood super hard and compact. So when I hit my clapsticks together, they sound like rocks or metal. That's wow. how they're supposed to sound. Wow. Today I see a lot of pick them up and they're like real dull. They haven't been cooked in the fire or they're using the wrong wood. Wow. Mm. So is that um, something that's that's common to most um, traditional country yes. all across Australia yeah, all or across all across Australia. the country? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah, clap sticks, yep, definitely. And boomerangs and the bull roarer as well. And the bull roarer. As far as I know, uh, I think everybody had the bull roarer because I found it from from the east to west, north, south. Yeah. Wow. Um, And actually, that's something that I definitely should have, uh, that I can't believe I didn't put on the list of questions, but I've just peaked, uh, popped into my head as well, too. Can you talk? I mean, God, this is a topic you could probably talk on for five days without breathing, but song lines. I can't yeah. believe I forgot yeah. to include yeah. that. Like, well, like the River explain? of Life, that's our song line. Like I said mm. before, the River of Life, that's a song line. Yeah. We all have song lines from the day we're born. You know, it's the same thing. We, um, we, we, we all have our personal song lines. We all come from one song. Mm. Uncle Archie wrote that amazing song. But So we all come from one song, but um, we all have our individual song lines. Through our, our song lines are our journeys and lives. We also have song lines because we didn't draw maps. Mm. So we have at a certain places, like we have a ceremony, we're going to go somewhere for a ceremony to a men's area or to a women's area or to harvest from a particular place. I'm going to go catch some turtles, I'm going to go catch something. We have a song for everything. Mm. So as we walk along, if you get, we never got lost because we sing our maps. So we sing as we walk along. And we actually, we, we actually sung, sung the land, we sung the trees, we sung the birds. And when we get to a place, we sing to the spirits to let them know that we're coming. Because we can't just rock up and, and, and you know, as people do, they rock up unannounced. Mm. So we've got to rock up. When we rock up, we actually sing the spirits. So we, we have a song for everything. And when we go going to catch an animal, we sing the spirit of that animal so we can, it can provide us with food. Wow. So it's all about singing. We do a lot of singing. Uh, that's what song lines are. Yeah, that's mm. amazing. So the song is the map. Yes, that's a map. Wow. Yeah, we didn't draw maps, we sung them. Yeah. That is incredible. Mm. And incorporated into that, again, is the... The natural world, I mean, you yes. know, not to separate it from us because we're all one, um, yep. but the, and also that respect as well too. Yes, definitely. Everything we do is respect. Mm. Everything, yeah. Wow, and it's so sad that, that so much of that has been lost in the modern world. Definitely. Actually. Yeah, respect and sustainability, such big things that people have forgotten. Do you find that people are coming back to that uh, now? Definitely. Oh, yeah. Well, definitely now because I work with thousands of schools. I work in education, mental health, all that sort of stuff. Mm. So that's my mission is to wake people's eyes up and just, just to get them back, take them, you know, take a step back because we've forgotten a lot of stuff. We've left a lot of stuff behind. We need to pick that stuff up and take it with us into the future. And no matter how we live, we still need to bring that. We can bring that into our homes. We can go out with the kids. We can go out with the family. Say we're at a party here, go have a party on the beach or go to the picnic area or somewhere. Mm. So before we dive into uh, finish with the the meditation, what do you have um, coming up? Have you got anything coming up that you'd like to talk to people about? Uh, Obviously your walks, but... Well, we, we have a lot of things coming up, like with the Revillaging Project is a, a place down in um, Rosebud at Bonio. We've been working with them since the day they moved in there. We went in there and helped them set up. We got them all the contacts to help them you know, to get started. But we have lots of other gigs coming up in the future, like um, with my daughter Scholar, she's starting to teach dance. She's an amazing dancer. Oh, yeah. She'll be starting to teach dance. We are with my niece Carla. I've taught her all about the bush tucker, so she's an amazing cook, and my sister Anola. 
They're amazing cooks. So I've taught them about cooking. So we've got a lot of cooking um, workshops coming up as well where you can participate or you can just watch. Yeah. You get to eat this amazing meal at the end of it with my, with my, with my sister and my niece. Um, we are looking at a lot of workshops, so like clapstick workshops, teaching Brilliant. people about their woodworking. So we've got this amazing place in, in Main Ridge. Mm. There's huge property, so we're going to start doing workshops there, making clapsticks, um, digging sticks, down the track, yadakis and all that sort of stuff. Brilliant. So it'd be good. So when we start doing things like that, I take you out the bush. The first thing you learn when you even t- before you even touch the wood is respect for trees. Yeah, you have to respect trees. Like traditionally in the, in the old days, we made a canoe. So we made canoes from mesmates and stringy barks and red gums. Mm. You don't ever walk up to a tree and take the bark. We never cut down big trees, but we took bark. Mm. So for us to do anything like that, it's a three day ceremony. Me and my whole family have to go to that tree and show our respects to that tree. Let the tree know our intentions. Cleanse it and do a ceremony. Because we know taking the bark of the tree is going to hurt the bark for a while. Mm. It will heal, but it'll hurt for a while. So we have to show our respects. So before we even touch any sort of wood, it's about respect. And I teach, when I work in the rehabs, I teach the young men and women you know, about respect. You can't just go up to a tree and cut them down. You've got to show your respects, let the tree know your intentions, and then you take from the tree. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, so we've got lots of those sort of workshops coming up, cooking, um, we're least... opening people's eyes up everywhere. You know, my culture is supposed to be shared. It's against our law not to share culture yeah. and knowledge. So... We need people want to get healthier, and we, future generations. We have to start listening to the indigenous people because that's our future. Yeah, everybody goes about the past and primitive. No, no it's, it's the future. We found a perfect way of life tens of thousands of years exactly. ago. That we work. Nature's our brothers and sisters, you know, and we all have one mother. It's the earth. She gets sick. We all get sick. Yeah, that's it. Thank you, Lionel. So where can people find out about all your offerings online? So your Living yep. Culture yep. is the company name. Yep, it's a Living Culture is our company name. You can jump online. We're on Facebook, on Instagram as well, and we have an amazing website, yeah, so through Living Culture. Amazing. Yeah. So hopefully go find go find Lionel, find out about all his wonderful offerings if you're lucky enough to be in Victoria and can actually make it along in person. But um, otherwise sounds like there's a lot of a lot of online stuff as well too. Definitely. Yeah. So. We are looking at working in Warrnambool as well, a lot more. I'm going to set up Amazing. over Warrnambool and also Byron Bay, my grandpa's country. We want to start doing a lot more work up that way as well. Amazing. Yeah. Well, may Blues Fest be the start of more yes, stuff up in will be. Byron Bay. That would be amazing. So thank you, honestly, Lionel. I cannot thank you enough from the bottom of my heart for making the time to come and chat today come to yarn sorry and um i've just learned so so much and i hope that everybody listening has learned so much as well too and maybe we'll take away just one little thing that will spark something and and get them to see the the world in a slightly different way and to hear the world in a slightly different way yeah yeah definitely so we'll leave you with a short Yidiki meditation. Is there anything that you wanted to, that you would normally introduce the meditation with or? Um, not really at all. But generally when I do go into meditation, I can talk for a half an hour about mm. healing, stress, depression. Mm. So it's just, just listen, sit back and listen to it. You might be carrying some negative energies on you as we do. Humans like to carry things. Mm. Sit back, close your eyes and just listen and release through breath, release that negative energy and breathe in those positives. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lionel.
I hope you guys took something from that incredibly rich and generous conversation with Lionel. We touched on so many themes, all of which are so important to us, both as Australians or humans. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please rate, subscribe and share it with your friends and family. And once again, I'm not seeking financial gain from this podcast. If you feel like showing your appreciation, please don't direct it to me. Send it on to Lionel's non-for-profit, First Culture. Their mission is to educate people about the importance of keeping Aboriginal culture alive. Indigenous knowledge is a living link to the past, present and future. You can find them at livingculture.org.au. And on that, as we as Australians approach the referendum vote for the voice to Parliament, if you're still unsure as to what exactly it entails, which I know a lot of you are, I urge you to educate yourself so that you can vote yes with confidence. UluruStatement.org forward slash training is a wonderful resource and I strongly encourage you to go check it out. I look forward to chatting with you again next week as we dive deeper into the world of sound healing. Meanwhile, keep your ears and hearts open.